Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And privates, we are not having babies today. That is for sure. (laughs) Well, for sure, not today. Not today. (laughs) That would be physically impossible. (laughs) Yeah, today we have Zoe Noble of We Are Child Free, a photography project that is just like expanded into a global phenomenon, basically. As our guest on the show, she's a photographer. She's just a badass. And she's giving voice to, I think, a lot of women who don't necessarily want to have kids and like that's okay yeah and not just women the project includes uh gender diverse people as well but i think as we discuss on this it's been a long time coming because women that and people that haven't wanted to have kids have been made to feel like shit about it for so long so her project i think is the opposite of all of that Yeah. And I think, I mean, you're going to hear a little bit about it in the interview, but Sophie and I have discussed the idea of having kids before with each other. And Cheryl Strayed has this amazing essay about ghost ships, like imagining your life one way and imagining your life the other. And the example that she uses in her Dear Sugar collection is about having kids. And I think if anybody out there is wondering and struggling with the question within themselves. I just want to throw that out there as a great thing to read. I've literally mailed this book to people who were telling me, I'm not sure if I want to have kids or not. I was like, this is how I figured it out, or at least partly figured it out. That was a huge step in in me finding out that, you know, maybe because Uh the ghost ship story is that good. It's basically Cheryl giving advice to a man who has a really good life with his partner and is not sure if they should have a child. And the way she talks you through it is pretty beautiful. And Courtney and I have been discussing this piece of writing for years now. Yeah, and the topic just in general. So it's kind of like perfect that we're having Zoe on. And it's so funny that we both flagged this article. You know, sometimes we send each other ideas for podcast guests. And as soon as I sent it to Sophia, she was like, I was just about to send you this. So yeah, this is right up our alley. And I can't wait to introduce you guys to Zoe. All right, privates, we have a treat for you today because we are here with the amazing Zoe Noble that Sophia and I discovered through this New York Times piece. Congratulations, Zoe. Thank you. That That's so sweet. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a, a crazy few weeks since that article came out. My life has went upside down, basically. I've been completely overwhelmed, but I, it's been incredible, seriously. 
What's the response been like to the piece? Oh my God. I've received thousands of messages, emails from people all over the world just saying that they now feel seen, like they're not weird, that they're not alone. Um, and it's 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 been emotional. It really has been to hear you know, some of the stories that people are going through, it's really been overwhelming, but incredible, life-changing for me. You know, what's so funny is when we wanted to reach out to you about the piece and we saw it, I first sent it to Sophia and she replied being like, I was going to send you this, bitch. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, we were literally reading it at the same time, trying to forward it to each other. (laughs) That's what I loved about it. It touched so many people, you know, and um, it just means the world to me. Seriously. I mean, it really struck a chord with both of us, like whether or not we ultimately remain child free. I think it's like something that a lot of women about our age think about. What was the inspiration for the project and how did it get started? You know, it was really just pure frustration at how women, you know, are treated for this decision. I mean, I have always known I didn't want children and I was just so sick of the comments, the judgments, the false assumptions made about me by strangers. Um, And I actually had an experience in a a taxi ride from the airport one time, which was a nightmare journey because the the taxi driver, you know, he started chit-chatting and then he asked me, you know, so you married? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you have any kids? No. He's like, why? And I was like, we just don't want any. And he literally, he nearly smashed the car. He was like, (laughs) 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 he just could not comprehend why a married couple, you know, and why I'd made this decision. And for the next like 30 minutes in that taxi, he tried his best to convince me. And his, his, you know, kind of reasons were, you know, you could just have two, three, by the third, you'll love it. That's something he said. (laughs) If Uh, you just keep going. How much punishment do you have to put your body through before you quote unquote love it? That's crazy. Not to mention the people that you're just willy-nilly bringing into the world because uh, maybe you'll fall in love with them later. (laughs) Yes, he didn't convince me, funnily enough. (laughs) You know what's crazy? I've had this conversation with taxi drivers before because I think this is really common. Yeah, They chit-chat, but then when uh, when you're not single, they're like, okay, so when are you having kids? And if you are single, they're like, so when are you going to get married and have kids? Mm -hmm, And you're like, mm -hmm. sir, I just need to get from point A to point B. (laughs) Please, (laughs) please. (laughs) So, so yeah, I mean that, you know, we've all had those like awkward questions and comments as anyone, you know, of our age or or in their 30s, especially that is the prime time for people to start grilling you. And I was just so sick of these questions and, um, you know, not in a respectful way, in a really rude way. And I thought, you know, I could do something about this because if I could, if I could put a face to this movement and I could show the world that, you know, women who make this decision, we are no different to any other women. Mm -hmm. We just, we have a different choice. We just want different things in our lives. And I knew that if I could do that, it would hopefully change the narrative, the negative narrative that we have. And it's, I think it's working and whatever anyone else thinks, parents or whatever, the response back from the child-free community has been so incredible that, you know, I know I'm on the right track here. Well, first of all, so it started as a smaller portrait series. Is that right? Can you tell us kind of about the 
conception of the project? Yeah, so I I mean, I was working a lot. You know, when, when I came to Berlin in 2010, I picked up a camera and I, I fell in love with photography. So I was, I was, you know, I left London and I, I was kind of looking for something, you know, a challenge really. And then when I got this camera, I was in love and realized, okay, this is the thing I want to do with my life. So Zoe, what were you doing before that? I was a web designer and, you know, I liked web design. I mean, I've always been creative. I've always, that's been, you know, the thing that I loved doing was creating, whether it was with a computer or, you know, making jewelry, painting, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, web design was great, but I really, I love people. I love, you know, interacting with people. And the great thing with photography is you can work with people in such a really personal, connected way. And as soon as I started, you know, learning photography, I knew this is what I wanted to do. It was great. I I was working commercially and, and I built up my skills and I managed to get clients and it was great, but I still knew I wanted to do something thing that I don't know it it was something that was a passion project something that meant something to me and this is when I started thinking what can I do what what is what is the thing that I am really passionate about and when I thought about my life I thought okay this is a personal experience that I have so I knew that was kind of the 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 small kind of ember that I you know I had for the idea and then it just you know began as this small portrait series in my studio I put out a blog post on my blog asking for women to, you know, share their story with me. And I had about 40 women who who wanted to, which was incredible because I didn't know, maybe I'm alone in this, maybe mm-hmm. I don't, you know, cause you don't know, you don't know whether, are you the weirdo? Are you the the, the only person? And knowing that there was, there was even just a small group of women in Berlin who wanted to do that, you know, I was like, okay, this is something really special. And I started that and, put it out into the world and the response for that was amazing. But then work got in the way and, and life became too busy for me to, to carry on doing it. So the silver lining for the pandemic for me has been, I've had time to develop this project now into so something so much bigger, which relaunched in January. So how did it go from launching in January to New York Times global <laughs> attention? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of pinching myself that how is it? How did this happen? Um, but you know, a journalist who lived who lives in Berlin, she um, saw the project on Instagram, and she emailed me saying, "I am also a child-free woman, and I am sick to death with the media representation about child-free women. I would love to write a piece about this, and you know, get it in the New York Times and get it further out there into the world." And I was just like, uh, "Yes, yes, yes," <laughs> <laughs> but never really knowing what would happen happen after that article went out because you don't know you don't know how something's going to be you know taken I was worried am I going to be you know trolled am I going to be doxxed am I going to be um I, and I just didn't know but you know I was I was completely I was wrong in that the the response has been so overwhelmingly positive that it's you know it's been incredible but you bring up an interesting point that is also pretty sad which is that a choice that a woman makes about staying child free and just simply you expressing that and celebrating it through art. I mean, the fact that we live in a world where you're afraid to put out your project that is just photos of women and their stories because there is such an, I don't know, rabid men's rights element on the internet that literally you're not even saying everybody quit having children you're just showing an option for how to be. And the fact that you were afraid to put that out into the world 
because of the vitriol that some men have about Mm. their right to tell women how to be, and especially reproductively speaking. I mean, I think that's something we need to highlight. The fact that you were literally like, I could have my, not just livelihood, but my safety threatened just because I took some (laughs) pictures. You know, I mean, it's still something that I I think about because I I live in Germany and we legally have to put our address on our websites. And oh, really? Yeah. No. So this is this is something that I am now trying to deal with, you know, on the legal side. How do I do this? I know that this project can grow even further and it can, you know, help so many more people. But I know there are people out there who will see this as me attacking parents when if they just looked at it a little deeper, they would see that absolutely, Sophia, it's about allowing women to choose what is right for them, empowering them to make those decisions and know that, you know, they don't have to live their life for anyone else. But there are definitely people who, you know, men who do not want to hear that. And they want women in their place, kept in that place, and they don't want us making decisions for ourselves. Did you get negative comments? And if so, what were they? So I've been very lucky. I've only had one hate mail. I couldn't even really decipher. It was it was terribly translated and typos. And, you know, it was like, okay, this is maybe a 15 year old guy. And I, I couldn't even work out. But it was that was the only hate mail. And then I've had I've only ever had three men message me in the whole project. And I'm talking I think thousands now of messages from women saying, thank you, this is incredible. And I needed this. Men, the three men that have messaged me all asked, how do I date child-free women? That's all they asked. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is not a dating service, buddy. (laughs) Right, right? (laughs) I'm sorry. I kind of have to give it up to them, you know? Keep your eye on the prize, but how can I Uh, fuck through this beautiful art project? (laughs) I know. I was just like, okay, because you know, in my in my head, I I was thinking maybe maybe one day this could open up to men, and because I know my you know married my husband's one of the good guys. He's like he's child free. He's he's a feminist. He you know he does more than his fair share in the home, and and I know there are good guys out there, but that told me that you have to be so careful because there are a lot more shit guys out there so so yeah that that's been that's been the only negative kind of response everything else has been positive which is mind-blowing really you know and the the messages and the emails of, of women sharing their stories and telling me you know I now don't feel like there's something wrong with me you know I now have a community women tell me like this is the space I go to on the weekend if I'm at a baby shower and I feel like I'm being made to you know uh, be there's something wrong with me uh, they'll go to the toilet and, and read some of the you know read some of the messages and the posts on my Instagram and say as it's empowering them and I'm just like wow this is really this is really helping you know which is just incredible Yeah, I think it's the decision is normally framed in this way of lack, like childless, and your framing is child free. Where did that come from? And is I like, I don't know if I've necessarily heard it like that. So there's been, you know, there is a a movement, which is the, you know, childless movement, which is obviously, you know, um, women who are, for whatever reasons, unable to have children, which is heartbreaking, because I truly, truly want, if you want children, I really, really want you to have that. And the word child free is not new. It's actually been around since the early 1900s. But it's just only in the last 20, 30 years that it it was used more in this context of I'm making this decision um, and it's my choice. And I I just didn't want, you know, 
I don't feel like I've lost anything through not having children. And I didn't want anyone else to feel like that. I, I want us to feel like, you know, we are, we can live happy, fulfilled lives. So I wanted there to be a distinction, but that this community really is for any woman or gender diverse person who is embracing a life without children, whether that's through choice or through circumstance, I say we all need support. So, you know, it's, it's really open to anyone just embracing that, that life without children so that you know you can have a good life as well. That's really beautiful. I love that. And I think we definitely need more of that. If you don't mind telling us, how did you come to your decision to be child-free? Sure. I mean, I honestly don't think it's ever been a decision for me because whenever I, you know, thought about my childhood or growing up, I never, ever thought about, you know, what's my baby's name's going to be? What's... Mm-hmm. When I imagined my future, I was always, I was either traveling or I was setting up my own business or um, I, I never saw my role as a mother. So I knew really from an early age that I didn't want children and, but I was very kind of scared about saying it out loud because no one around me was. And that we just have no, we have no people really in the media saying it out loud. And when they do say it out loud, they are you know, told they're selfish, they're they're childish, they're immature. And I didn't know whether that was the reaction I was going to get. So I really kept it kind of under wraps for like my 20s. And you don't really get those questions, do you? People generally, it's really when you start hitting the 30s that you get, you know, you get more of the prying kind of questions from doctors and gynecologists. And that's when I was like, hang on, I don't want kids. So I'm going to, I'm going to start saying this out loud now, instead of going like, "Uh, I'm not sure when I've started saying it, I'm child free. I don't want, I don't want children. I felt so much better. I felt so much more empowered. Um, And that's what I want, you know, women who really, that's this decision that they want to make. Like you feel this empowerment when you can say it out loud and forget the haters, you know, you can't live your life for those people. So. (laughs) And about how old were you when you could finally like admit it to yourself and other people, or I guess you had been able to admit it to yourself, but yes. Yeah. To others. I think it would have been in my thirties because that's the time when you get more questions and your friends are really talking about, are they having kids and when's it going to happen? And, you know, I was able to really go, nope, this is not for me. This is not Mm -hmm. what I want. Um, you know, and I'm lucky I, I live in Berlin, which is a relatively progressive city. So, you know, friends, they were comp- very supportive. No one was judging me. But really, I got the most pushback from doctors, gynecologists. They were always the ones who would be like, time is ticking, clock is ticking. And even if I said I didn't want kids, the next year I'd come around, they'd still say, so when are you going to have kids? <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was definitely in the 30s. I think that's when I started saying it out loud, proud. <laughs> I just want to say that in terms of you saying like you didn't see any depiction in media and whatever, when I didn't think I wanted kids, which is, you know, up until like pretty recently, like within the last four or five years, that's changed. But before that, I would literally Google those like BuzzFeed roundups <laughs> yeah. that would have, you know, quotes from 33 <laughs> powerful women, women in Hollywood about um, not wanting to have kids. And I would like right. click through every picture in the slideshow <laughs> and it'd be like Cameron Diaz being like, I don't yes. want them. I yeah, feel great. Yeah. And I'd be like, all right, cool. And I'd click through and it'd be like, Oprah's like, I'm great. Oprah, I, yeah. I literally rule 
the entire world, I'd be like, okay, cool. You know? So I <laughs> yeah. think, yeah, it's, it's very real that like, there wasn't even anywhere to look for, for inspiration. If you did enjoy someone's like child free lifestyle and you wanted to kind of look at them as a role model a little, a little bit, you like, couldn't really look totally. that up. Mm-mm, no and the ones that I did see I'd often see more articles about like oh you know she still hasn't had kids what's wrong with her you know like Jennifer Aniston would get so much heat because she still hasn't had children and you're like hang on what about Leonardo DiCaprio that like right. he is the, oh the permanent bachelor he's just yet- dating children <laughs> he's <laughs> not <laughs> having any <laughs> exactly exactly and it's like this double standard really annoyed the hell out of me and um yeah like I knew that we needed to have some rem- representation out there so so women could feel empowered you know that th- we can be happy and fulfilled without having children but you know society doesn't want to tell you that <laughs> hey vulva owners do you want stronger orgasms I think I speak for all of us when I say yes Well, it is scientifically proven that a stronger pelvic floor can lead to stronger orgasms. Intensity by Pour Moi gives you that strength. Intensity by Pour Moi is an intimate health and stimulation device. A lot of people might be tempted to call it a vibrator, but it's actually much, much more than that. More than a vibrator? I know, I can't believe it either. Everyone loves to talk about the effects of vibration, but what makes intensity special is how it tightens and tones your pelvic floor muscles. Ooh, automatic Kegels with a kick. Most people know Kegel exercises are important, but intensity does them better by automatically exercising the muscles of the pelvic floor for you. Muscle stimulation along the resistance of the inflatable probe offers more than just a squeeze. It's literally an exercise program. Yeah, honestly, my favorite exercise program, because talk about feeling good while you work out. Not only will intensity teach you how a properly performed Kegel feels, it also has a vibrating component for your pleasure. Intensity lets you balance feeling good with working hard. Mm. Plus, you guys, pelvic floor health is important. The natural process of aging, high-impact exercises, and childbirth take a toll on the health of the muscles that surround the vagina. It causes them to stretch and lose tone and tightness over time. Studies have demonstrated that tightened and toned pelvic floor muscles increase the power and intensity of the female orgasm. So Coax, how was your experience using intensity? I mean, girl, I didn't think I could get any tighter, but learn something new every day. (laughs) Is this just a humble brag about your vagina? No, you guys, it's really, it's for poor moi, which is how you get such a strong pelvic floor to begin with. Yeah, and you know what's awesome? Right now, poor moi is offering our listeners an additional $25 off of intensity when they go to poormoi.com and enter code PRIVATE at checkout. And what's awesome is you can use this code along with any other code on their website, like together. Ooh, I love that. Double deal. That's 25% off on top of all ongoing promotions when you go to P-O-U-R-M-O-I dot com and use promo code private. Yes, it's French. Pourmoi.com. Code private. Oui, oui. So, Zoe, just to go back to your story for a second, because you had a fibroid situation, if I'm not mistaken. And how did like the health implications of that tie into your Mm. decision and it did it have any impact? 
Yeah, I mean, so so my gynecologist discovered a fibroid maybe six years ago. And, you know, it started two centimeters. And then she just kept saying, we're going to wait, we're going to wait. And all the while, you know, I was waiting and my pain would start. It was getting worse. The bleeding was getting worse. And it hit like a, a real point where I, I, I wanted to get this out. And I went to the gynecologist. I'd been doing my research. I knew a partial hysterectomy to remove the uterus would be great because I don't want kids. It would mean I'd never get fibroids back again. I'd have no periods, which for, for my whole life, my periods have been so heavy. It's mm. been debilitating for me. And I went to the gynecologist and said, look, this is what I, I really want, want to go for. And she was just like, nope, we're not going to even talk about that. And I was just shocked because for a health professional to not even talk to me about it and, and just shut me down as if like there was something wrong with us talking about this. I was fuming. I was so angry. And, you know, I, I left that meeting and I had another maybe six months or so of, of what am I going to do here? I don't want to have the operation to remove the fibro because I know it's going to come back. I want to get this operation I want. Um, well, it all came to a head. I, I basically started bleeding uncontrollably, had to go to the, the emergency room. And, you know, that was a story in itself. I had to go to four hospitals because there were no gynecologists on call on the weekends. So if you're wow. a woman, yeah, if you're a woman and you have a problem on the weekends, you know, with your organs or, you know, reproductive, uh, you're screwed because there's no there's no doctors, no gynecologists. So they sent me away with painkillers. That's got to be illegal, right? <laughs> honestly, four, I, four hospitals in Germany and they were like, sorry, this is just the thing. They, yeah. So so I went I went back to, you know, back to my apartment. And but I, I physically I was like, I'm scared now the, the pain is so intense. I have to go back. So I went back and I was just like, I need you to do something because I'm, you know, bleeding. And they saw me and they they managed to at least do a scan, at least see a scan. And that was what they said I was having a, um, a fibro that was degenerating. So it was basically dying from the inside. And that is excruciating pain. It's, uh -huh. it's apparently it's worse than childbirth. Um, Jesus, and, the irony. And, <laughs> I know, right? I know. Um, but you know, they couldn't do anything because there were no gynecologists to operate on me that weekend. So again, they sent me home and on the Monday I could go and finally see a surgeon. And I'm still bleeding, by the way. I'm still changing my pad every 15 minutes. Um, I go, yeah, I go to the, the surgeon and she asks me one question. Do you want children? No. Right, we're going to do a partial hysterectomy because this is the least invasive. You will never have this again. You won't have as much bleeding because an operation to remove a fibroid that's 10 centimeters from your uterus, is it's going to be very complicated. Um, and I was just like, hallelujah, someone's fucking listened to me. Thank you. It's a woman too. <laughs> yeah. I think it's yeah. notable that it is a woman because <laughs> the system is not set up to validate any no. of reproductive decisions that women want to make about their own bodies, whether it's no. in this case, a hysterectomy or like an abortion or whatever yeah. the case may yeah. be. No, absolutely. And I mean, you know, my story is not the only story I received after the New York Times article. I just received story after story of women who are denied operations that would help their quality of life because a doctor thinks that they should maybe one day have a child like they're told you don't know your mind you'll change your mind you know one woman in america said that she needed her husband's permission to have any kind of operation yeah it's 2021 and we we still don't have bodily autonomy and it, and once you start to like 
So open your eyes and hear from women out there. You realize like we, we are so far behind because this society truly believes that, you know, womanhood is intertwined with motherhood. There is no separation there. And a doctor does not really believe that biologically that like I can say, I don't want this thing. They think it's a genetic thing that I truly want to be a mother. And at some point a switch will flip and I'll want it. And, and I'm, I'm just like, this is ridiculous, you know? <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about bodily autonomy as a human right. Yeah. How do we achieve that? <laughs> Wait, before we move on to that question, I just want to say that this is also exactly the same logic that they apply to uh, trans people um, yes. who want to to transition. Uh, you have to get notes and doctor's approvals mm -hmm. and, oh, mm -hmm. are you sure you want this? Are you going to change your mind? Even yeah. when people approaching them are full ass adults. It's the same lack of bodily autonomy. And for some reason, doctors thinking that like it would be their problem if you change yeah. your mind. And that's exactly it, especially in America, because doctors think they're going to get sued if a woman is sterilized, that one day she'll go like, oh, I, you know, I'm going to sue this doctor because he shouldn't have given me this operation. And it's, it's that, you know, it's so ridiculous because it's like you ask the women who want these operations, it, it would truly help their lives, you know, it, and, and it would remove the anxiety that so many women feel, you know, am I, am I going to get pregnant? And we talk about bodily autonomy and we live in, a, in countries where, well, Texas with the new anti-abortion law that, mm -hmm. you know, we are able to hopefully get abortions. But right now it looks like even in countries like America, this is being rolled back. And you, you think about women in countries like Kenya. It's I just uh, spoke to someone today in Kenya. It's illegal to have abortions there. So, you know, if you have an accident, what, what happens? Your life is changed forever. And we need governments to start listening to women. We need policymakers to, to start, you know, putting in these laws to protect our, our reproductive health. Um, this is a, a human rights issue for us. Yeah. So you hear stories for your podcast and for your series from women all over the world. What is your sense of like the most friendly and least friendly in terms of reproductive rights in different countries around the world? I've heard really amazing stories about Switzerland, about doctors, you know, there's no prying questions that if you want to be sterilized, apparently it's it's, re it's not simple, but they listen to you. There's no, oh, you might change your mind. So it feels like, yeah, countries maybe uh, more in the North where they have more progressive governments. So they're, they're really bringing in like laws and, and they have more women in their governments. So yeah. they, they know that's, that this is important to us and that we need to be listened to. So those are definitely the, the more progressive countries. Um, and then, yeah, sadly, you know, hearing from, from the woman in, in Kenya, countries where say Christianity is the predominant religion there. E everything then is tied into that, meaning gender roles are set. Women are there to work for, you know, do lots of unpaid work, childcare, home care. You know, your, your duty as a woman is to have children and look after mm -hmm. your husband there. And I mean, those countries, we, you know, it's easy to be in your bubble and be like, oh, I've got it. It's pretty okay here. I've got, I have some comments, but when I hear from these stories from women in places like Kenya or China, even where it's, it's not even a, it's not a personal decision. Now it's a political one. Now your government tells you what you can and can't do with your body to that level that the fear is real for women like that. 
Hey, Sophia, it's pride season. Are your pubes ready for the parade? Bow, bow, bow! Bow, bow, Sorry, that's my pride season horn. It's very bad. But <laughs> I am very excited to get out there. And I do like to show some skin during pride. And I do not like ingrowns. And that is why I'm very excited to make my pupes Pride Parade ready with Manscaped. Yeah, you know what? Manscaped is the world leader in below the belt waist grooming. So, Sophia, your bush is in good hands. Thank you, Courtney. I appreciate that you care about my bush. Privates, y'all gotta prep for Pride with the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 and Ultra Smooth Package. Privates, your pubes are gonna be so ready to meet leather, trust. Honestly, it is such a great tool for shaving. You cannot shave with a basic ass razor after because this trimmer is 7,000 RPM. Vroom, vroom, hose. So <laughs> you can use that fancy ass technology to keep your situation silky smooth and to help reduce any kind of accidents that you might be having down there. Yeah, you have to invest in the best new technology and advancements to keep, you know, your grooming on point. And I am blown away by the performance and craftsmanship and details of the Lawnmower 4.0. I mean, the whole thing's on the next level. Yeah, literally never cut your labia again. I promise you this, okay? This thing has an LED spotlight, so you can always have a really good eye on what's going on down there. It has different guard lengths, sizes one to four, so you can get your bush however you want it. You can have little designs in there if that's your thing. I don't know. And they also have the ultra smooth package. It's like a three-step kit. It's got all the products you need. It's got a crop exfoliator. They have the crop gel and the crop shaver. So you are gonna have a whole family of products to keep your pubes in line. And all three of those are vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products. So you know your testes or your vagine are in good hands. And honestly, pretty much no ingrowns. So I think that is a big, heavy bone bone. You know what I mean? Um, And by bone bone, of course, I mean bonus. And if you like (laughs) bonuses, Wow. Get 20% off and free shipping right now with the code PRIVATE at manscaped.com. That's right. It's the perfect package for you and your perfect package. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code PRIVATE at manscaped.com. Boop, 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 boop. Prune your pubes for pride season with Manscaped. So climate change too I've seen come up on your Instagram being cited (laughs) as a factor why people don't want to have kids and I have to be honest that is like a not insignificant part of my decision Mm. you know I likely probably won't physically have children I might adopt one day but a huge part of that is just me being like I don't know this what are we gonna give them Oh, yeah. This is a really, really big topic for a lot of especially younger women who um, come to my page that they definitely, you know, they kind of look around and and 
it's it's not just that it's so much harder nowadays to have children you know it's like you look around at what's going on in the planet and you're you're kind of thinking well where are we going to be in 20 30 years time like exactly so so you're not alone in that at all we just don't know i mean what's going to happen in the future and it's it's yeah it's kind of um it can be scary for a lot of people when you like made the decision in your 30s or at least publicly to tell people that you want to remain child free. Did that help you find a community of other child free women that kind of made you feel a little bit more less alone and more like, oh, I'm not crazy. There's a whole bunch of us out here. So definitely when I put that shout out on the on my blog and I had, you know, 40 women come and, and message me, I was like, okay, they are they are out there. But I started to look online for communities and you know what? They were a bit scary. There's some that, you know, like there's a child who read it with like a million, uh, million followers. But what, what I saw in a lot of child free communities was negativity towards parents and children. And uh. that's not what I wanted this project to be because truly I do want women to live whatever life they want. And I want women who want children to be supported in that and not just left, you know, hung out to dry, which so many, I see it with my friends, you know, and um, that their governments don't support them. Their partners don't support them. And it makes it so fucking hard. And that's what needs to change, you know? And, And so I wanted this community that I was, you know, I, well, I didn't even know it would be a community. I start, you know, I, I was taking photos and doing podcasts and then suddenly, you know, the, the, the community started to grow around it. And I was thinking, you know, wow, this is incredible. Um, people who are like me, who, you know, they don't all hate children. They don't, you know, they're not all antinatalists, you know, but one thing I do want to say, I guess, is that, you know, if you don't like children or if you do, actually, it doesn't matter. You should be allowed to be whoever you are. And um, I just want to create a community that respects people's decisions and empowers and inspires you to live your life, whatever you want to do your life, go for it. That's beautiful. Thank you. It's so beautiful. Getting to know all these different voices that are sharing the same decision, what kind of misconceptions do you think are out there? And then how are the women that you've gotten to know maybe different from that? The biggest one I think is that we're selfish, you know, and that we're cold and unloving. And what I what I actually see and that I knew is that we are incredibly nurturing. Many of us have incredible relationships with children, our nephews, our nieces, our friends, kids, or just helping, you know, people. So I once I could, you know, really hear those stories and start to put them out, I, it felt incredible because I knew that was something that we needed to stop. We needed to stop society saying that we are these, you know, monsters who who, who <laughs> totally. can't, be, you know, can't be around any children at all. I mean, I love my nephew. You know, I don't love children in general, but I love. I would die for my nephew and my friends' kids. I love because. You know, I love acting like a fool with them and being a being a big kid myself. Um, but yeah, hearing from the women how they, you know, they work for, they volunteer, they give time for teenagers who are going through traumas. They they do so much in their lives to give back to society, and it's tr- it's so heartbreaking to hear how people judge them just for this one decision of not having a biological child, and they just completely wipe out all of these incredible positive things that these people are doing. 
It's funny because when you were talking, I was like, the first thing I thought of, you know, when you were saying this division between women who are child free and women who aren't, I mean, like the thing I think we're forgetting is that child free women make the sickest ants. Yes. <laughs> and do you really want everyone to be moms? You don't. You got to yeah. have a bunch of sick ass ants in the mix. <laughs> like who is going to tell you, you know, like this is how you put on a condom. Who's going to yes. tell you about drugs? Like you need a sick ass ant in town. Everybody <laughs> exactly. needs one. And I just think of all the child-free women I have met in my life and all the little different things I've been able to learn from them. And, you know, who do you think is going to, like, love your nephew like that? Who's going to come over and babysit them and not be like, oh, sorry, I have my own kids. I'm actually really busy. So I would love it if we, instead of trying to separate, and, you know, you read a lot of articles about women that have children and women who don't and how they lose each other as friends. Yeah. You know, and I hate that. And I want it to be that if and when I have a kid, the Courtney's there that like all of my girlfriends that don't have kids are around my kid if they want to be. Because, yeah. you know, I think yes. the community upbringing is more kind of what we want. No, I mean, it takes a village to raise a child. And there's there's like no denying that. And I see that with my friends who, you know, if they're living in a country outside where their family is, they're by themselves and it's really, really hard. So you need that. You need you need people around you who maybe don't have as many responsibilities or maybe have more time, maybe a little bit more money and they can help you. And so, yeah, it should be seen as we are supporting the people who want them. Go for it. I'll be there and support you. And, you know, I, I hope we can get this to this point where we just respect each other's choices, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, Sophie and I's first international trip for the podcast was to Helsinki, Finland. And one of the big things that we learned was how impactful grandmas are on a society. <laughs> and this is kind of the same way. It's like an older woman who can like you know fill that role or like give yeah. you some assistance and it seems like if this would be you know more of like a ingrained part of our society like we would all be so much better off I mean I've heard of communities kind of uh well this is an idea that apparently is in berlin and maybe it is in sweden as well where they are bringing older generations with younger generations have you heard of this yeah. yes the college students that instead of living in a dorm live yeah. in a building with like grandparents essentially who are not theirs yeah. and it's apparently like been incredible for their health and yeah. mood and same with the college students it's been incredible for them too because that's one thing child-free people will, you know, be, they'll be told who's going to look after you when you're older. And, and you know, mm -hmm. that's another annoying one because it's like just having a child doesn't mean you have someone to look after you when you're older. I mean, there's no guarantees in life. Mm -mm. So to do that would be to have a child for that reason alone would be incredibly selfish in itself. So, you know, when you're older, yes, you have to create your chosen family, people around you. And if that's if that's younger people, older people, friends, family, wh whatever you want, you can do it. You know, you, you can create whatever kind of family around you. It doesn't have to be biological. And I love that idea of different generations coming together and helping each other. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So just to touch a little bit more, I know you've mentioned a couple times about how things are in Berlin, but what is the kind of uh, societal acceptance around abortion, reproductive rights, being child free in Germany? 
So, you know, I thought Germany was a lot more progressive than it actually is. It's actually very conservative and sexist. And you can know that by how they do deal with abortions. Doctors aren't legally allowed to advertise they do abortions or sterilizations on their websites. That's crazy to me. I just heard right? that on your podcast, I think. And I was like, what? Yeah. How how ridiculous. So we have, you know, Germany wants to keep women in the dark about these things. And when I've discovered that, I, I realized this is an incredibly conservative country and our political party um, it's Christian so it absolutely feeds into all areas of society here and that means that it's harder for women to get those operations just to access you know abortions I had one woman in Germany said the doctor made her listen to the heartbeat of the, mm-hmm. the of her child before she would accept she didn't want to have the baby that's a law in America too in some states you're you're required to hear the heartbeat and look at the ultrasound. I mean, are, are we just truly trying to, you know, cause as much pain as possible to women right now? Really? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's disgusting. It really is. So yeah, sadly, Germany still has a long way to go. And I hope, you know, there are, there are um, people who are fighting it and we, we have, you know, many people who are trying to fight these abortion uh, restrictions, but it's, it's a slog, I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So do you have any? No, I just want to don't want to try to wrap it up before if you have something. Um, well, I just was going to ask, and I don't know if this relates at all to what you do, but why did you move to Germany? So my husband and I would come on holiday a few times here. We'd li- been living in London. For I'm from the north of England. So we, we moved to London, you know, maybe 15 years ago. And I kind of was ready for a change. I mean, both of us, London is like a great city to visit, but living there, it's it's hard. So we'd come to Berlin, fell in love with the place on holiday. And we were like, you know what? Let's just go. Let's just see what happens. Um, you know, we've got nothing to lose. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And, you know, it's been the best thing because I became a photographer, and which I would never have been able to do in you know, London, where I needed to make sure I was paying that rent and, you know, all of those expenses. Um, I've been able to work on this project and we've met incredible friends here because it is it is like a kind of a, a place for people who maybe are looking for a slightly different lifestyle, perhaps, you know, it's no one here asks you what you do. No one asks you what job you do. They they literally don't give a shit what you do. <laughs> and I really love that about it. You know, it's much more just about yeah, enjoy your life. Do what you want. Enjoy your life. So Berlin is such a bubble, I tell you, from from the rest of Germany. It's it's uh, an interesting kind of it's like the weird cousin of the family. Um, <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I can't wait to meet the weird cousin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're always fun, right? Always entertaining. Right. So. They're the cool ass aunt. Exactly. <laughs> and I have to say, you might not have, I mean, not to put words in your mouth, but you might not have uh, been able to make that move if you had a child. Because that is the kind of impulsive thing you can do when it's the two of you. And you've gone somewhere on vacation a couple times and you're like, fuck it, let's move here. Yeah, you don't have to worry about school. Yeah, or, yeah, <laughs> exactly. How how are they going to adapt? Are they going to le- get new friends, learn a language? Am I tearing them away from everything? That's just 
a lot of shit you cut out by just being child free. Not to say it's for everyone, but just thoughts. Yeah, no, no, that's it. I mean, I think we've been here now 11 years. So I think now we're kind of like, okay, could there be somewhere else we would go? It would be lovely to live somewhere where there's better weather. Like in winter, it's cold here. So we keep thinking maybe there is a, a, another place that we'd like to go. Um, and you're right. I mean, having having a child, it, it doesn't necessarily stop you, but it does make it more difficult. So yeah, we are going to try and embrace the, the positives of this child-free life as much as we can. Um, and you know, no life is guaranteed. There's no perfect path for everyone. You got to go with what you think is going to make you happy and really analyze like, who are you? What does make you happy? Um, and really imagine your life one way or the other. And like my sister, I have a twin sister and she has, um, you know, her, her son and he's three years old. And, you know, she told me she would never be happy unless she had a child, never be fulfilled. And I mean, she's like a, an emergency doctor. And, you know, in my eyes, she's like a goddess. And then for her to say that to me, I was like, I wanted to shake her because I, I really wanted her to see that I know that's what you think, but I think you could find, you know, fulfillment in you in you as well. But a lot of women, I think, do have this kind of feeling that, you know, maybe their or society tells them that their value can come from a child. And yeah, I, I, I just want everyone to know that you can have whatever life you want, you know, and and if you've got a badass, cool auntie, then that's going to make it a lot easier as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect way, I think, to wrap this up. So where can people find out more about your project, about your podcast? Where can they find you online? So on all social media, it's wearechildfree underscore. And the website is wearechildfree.com. So you can, you know, go check it out. DM me, you know, if you've got any questions. But yeah, that's where you can get it. And you're accept like run people's stories and stuff too, right? If somebody yeah. wanted to submit. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got now maybe 2000 stories. So it's like, Damn. whoa, I'm going to need more people. I need to clone, <laughs> clone myself. Um, but, but but it's but it's amazing because, you know, I started this project thinking maybe I'm the only one. And now I'm realizing that there are millions of us, actually. Um, and being able to connect and hear each other's stories, it just helps. It really does help. You know, this is amazing. Oh, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I love Zoe. This conversation, I think, is going to hopefully heal a lot of hearts because I think you do get broken down when so many people who have no business telling you what to do with your life, tell you what to do with your life. So hopefully this gives you a little bit of breathing room. Maybe you can find your child-free community through Zoe's blog and uh, hopefully just breathe a little bit easier making your decisions. Yeah, it is like this looming question that I think society like demands you leave open unless you fill it with a child or it becomes physically impossible. And I just think that's bullshit. And if you know that you don't want that for yourself, it's okay for you to admit it to everyone and tell them to mind their own beeswax, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And um, let's also just pay attention to the fact that if you are a grown ass adult who goes to a medical professional and tells them that you want and need a specific procedure and they won't give it 
to you, we have to all not be okay with that. Yeah. That has to be the biggest fucking alarm bell that should be going off that we do not actually have bodily autonomy. Yeah, I mean, I hope this this interview, you know, touched the hearts of a, a lot of listeners, uh, especially women that might be struggling with this. But I think something that we can all take away from it is exactly what you were saying, Sophia. Bodily autonomy is a human right, and we should keep moving the needle on that until it is respected as such, because God damn it, we need it. And I've been in a position where I felt my bodily autonomy threatened and it sucks. It is a really shitty position to be in. So privates, we hope you enjoy this episode and make sure you stay tuned because we got all of our Belize episodes coming at you soon and it is going to be so good. You're definitely going to want to hear these. Yeah, I've been squealing around the house about how I can't wait (laughs) for everyone to listen to them. I even want Max to listen to them. He's like, tell me about the trip. I'm like, no, you got to (laughs) wait. Wait to the podcast. (laughs) I know. I know. I've been like, can't wait to share. And it's like, I could actually tell the person. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, no, wait for the content to drop. Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music? This music is by our bomb-ass friend, Amy Rosh. You should check her out on Spotify. Her last name spelled R-A-A-S-C-H. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We love you, you, Mike. I don't know. (laughs) Committed to the bit. And now it's time for... The review of the week. Listen, you cocksuckers. Well, 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 well. Look at me. I am a big old dingleberry. All I do is consume this podcast, but I don't ever say nothing nice to the hosts. Oh, I'm just a little piggy eating up a podcast and not giving any thanks. Listen, you don't want me to go in on you again, okay? I will... Crawl up that ass and I will tear it in half, okay? If you don't want none of this heat, you better get in there and you better rate this podcast and you know the way to do that. You go to ratethispodcast.com slash what, Courtney? You tell them. Private. And you know what? I am going to let Sophia just yell at you like that if you guys won't give us any ratings and reviews because how the hell are other people supposed to find out about the podcast if you guys aren't going on Apple Podcasts or go to ratethispodcast.com slash private. You can rate and review on whatever platform you're listening on. And you know what? We need it. We're fed up. Don't make me rip your balls off and stuff them in your ears so you can't ever listen to any more podcasts. I'll do it. I'll fucking do it. I believe her, you guys. She's going to do it. So you better go to one more time, ratethispodcast.com slash private. Honestly, I'm worried about you guys if you don't rate and review the show by next time because Sophia, I am amped. I am amped. Do not make me come over there. Don't make me crawl through those ear pods. I'll do it. I don't care if they're wireless. I'll do it. <laughs> All right. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.